0: Hi, I'm Scott.
1: And I'm Seth.
0: And I think we just did our first intro in well over a month.
1: Yay. Yeah. We're track walking. Were we supposed to say that and we are track walking? <laughs> how do we do this? Yeah. Do we forget how to do the show?
0: Yep. <laughs> my f- my fingers remembered, <laughs> my mouth does not. So we are track walking. Uh I'm still Scott and uh um, I'm still
1: Seth yeah probably. probably. <laughs> so, so how did we how did we take a month off and we look at each other on the screens here, and we both look exhausted? What's going on?
0: Yeah. so I think I've realized, and I forget this every year, is there are two times of the year that I am just in a funk. And one of them is understandable. One of them for me is like the month of February. Because in the month of February in Michigan, you haven't seen the sun in like six months. It's cold. You don't remember what colors look like. And you feel like you're never going to be warm again. So February makes sense. The end of July and into August, I don't understand. But it happens almost every year where I just like get in a funk and Seth, I'm in that funk right now, but how are you?
1: Uh, I am. I returned from Michigan and I was in like the best, most rested, happy place. Um, like, like annoyingly. So probably if, if the world had gone well, I would be, really annoying to you right now but what happened was uh i I got home uh just before dinner time on a tuesday Mm -hmm. had a great drive back two kids in the car uh wednesday 10 a.m went to the track got on my motorcycle did laps and scott i was good like two months off the bike i was good like second lap out there elbow down I was within a second and a half of within a second of like a really good lap without, you know, really trying, um, uh, rode somebody else's, uh, it's an Oval GP two, which is the 12 inch GP bike, brand new bike. There's like a handful of them in the country. First one I've seen, got to ride it. Awesome. I was better than the owner at it. Like he was like trying to figure it out. I went out there again, like on the first lap, brand new bike elbow down i'm like making him look bad i was so awesome why don't people let me drive so their awesome.
0: cars the way that people let you drive their bikes i know that answer immediately you're way more likable than i am
1: uh yeah that has a lot to do with it. actually i think the next thing and i'm going to tell you is probably why a lot agree. less fewer people are going to let me do this so then there was uh there was a really super nice guy named named Peter there, and he's he's ridden some big bikes and he's kind of getting into minis. And he has a, a KTM sixty five two stroke. It's got mm, sticky tires and a bunch of stuff on it. And actually, Sonia went out and rode it for a session, and was like genuinely quick on on it. Like did it well. And she came in and she said the motor was like on on top. The motor felt a little bit weird. And I'm done. I'm done for the day at this point. Because it's Wednesday, I've got a race coming up on Saturday Saturday and Sunday, and I'm like, cool, I don't want to like tire myself out, but I'll take the bike out for like four or five laps and just see what I can feel about the motor, see if it needs like a top-end refresh or something like that. And I look at the bike, and it's got a just disc- great big huge front brake kit on it. And I look at Sonya, and I said, how's the front brake? And she goes, it's really grabby. All right, store that in my mind. Let's seems, go whale on this bike.
0: Seems like foreshadowing.
1: There's some foreshadowing here. I get, I get halfway through the first lap and I'm really focusing on like really genuinely focusing on the motor, keeping the bike high in the rev range, shifting properly, doing what I need to do, come into a corner, uh, top of fifth gear, probably 52 miles an hour ish on that part of the track, drop three gears, hit the brakes. And almost immediately end of the bike, lift the bike way up in the air and think, good God, I'm going to die. Release the brake. I have now used up a whole bunch of the track that I thought I wanted to use to stop. So my brain says, you should hit the brake again. Second time I hit the brake, the front of the bike locks and shifts just slightly off to the right throwing me about as violently as you can be thrown onto the left side of my body. Um, Scott, that is the, this is the only time riding small motorcycles. I have not gotten up, which is to say I stood up and immediately like fell back to my knees because I couldn't breathe. I haven't had the wind knocked out of me like that since I was in like third grade. And so, fell off the monkey bars.
0: That's the worst feeling too. You feel yeah, like you're you going sit to there die. And
1: you just, yeah, and I'm just like moaning in my helmet on my knees, and you know, trying to work through. I'm like, I'm like pushing on my collarbone. I'm like, okay, that's not broken. And I'm trying to move my arm. All the while, I can't breathe. I'm like, okay, did I? Like, how bad did I hurt myself? And uh, it turns out I have at least. I didn't go to the hospital because hospitals are dumb for uh chest injuries unless you're like coughing up blood in which case you should definitely go to the hospital but uh um, because all they'll do is so there's certain injuries where doctors are like thank you for coming to the hospital we would like to help you and there's certain injuries where you go to the hospital and the doctors are just like you're stupid go home and broken ribs are very much in the your stupid go home list of injuries because there's nothing they can really do it's things like like broken toes same thing right if you go to the if you go to the hospital and you have a broken toe they're like cool go home and don't walk on it and so uh, like unless there's a re like you really think you have a collapsed lung or something in general if you've got minor broken rib things you just go Yeah, I'm going to go home and I I don't need somebody to tell me I'm stupid. I already know. If I want somebody to tell me I'm stupid, I'll just ask my wife. She'll let me know. So um, I have at least one broken rib. I can push on it. And I will tell you 100% that rib is not doing the rib things it should do. Um, And I can't sleep very well. Like... Yeah. A week into this, I'm, I'm to the point where there are times where I can like sit up and forget that I'm hurt for 15 or 20 minutes at a time. but laying down is the worst. No. Getting up is the worst. Laying down is like super super bad. But getting up is this this horrible thing. Like you can't get out of bed without using your ribcage as it turns out. So I'm
0: surprised you're not sleeping in a recliner.
1: Actually, the best way for me to sleep has been on our leather couch because it's slippery enough that when I get up, I can just sort of wiggle to the edge and half fall off of it. And so like I let my legs fall off and that puts me almost into a half sitting position where I can sort of like make horrible noises and, and crawl the rest of the way upright. Um, and that's the good way to sleep. So, um, so that's been my, that's, uh, other than the fact we had a race this weekend, my team did really well. My daughter did really well. I stood around like some dude who was crippled, um, and couldn't do anything. <laughs> like I was carrying a single folding chair from the truck to the, to where we were paddocked and somebody looked at me and they're like, do you need help?
0: glimpse into the future right there
1: yeah i was like crap yeah i mean no but yeah kind of so um so i took a two-month vacation where i was super rested and super happy and ready to take on the world and in like 18 hours i turned it into like pain and in misery and uh, a lack of sleep and um I I almost wish I had a mysterious thing going on like you do cuz I know exact like I know exactly I can pinpoint to the second why I feel like I do right now.
0: Well, I can't say I'd want to trade you positions, but I also uh wouldn't wish uh just whatever this July August thing I go through is on anyone either.
1: No, and know. and and I know like like I've done I've had the February thing. You know, I went to school in in upper Michigan where where like daylight was a thing that you remembered. Yeah. Um and and so I've I've been through that. So I I know the February thing. I don't know that I've really ever had the end of summer thing. Um so yeah, I definitely don't. Uh, I'll joke about it only because I love you. Um I get it. I get it. <laughs> But uh yeah, but well, Mid Ohio is coming up. Can we talk about Mid Ohio, or do you want to talk about something
0: else? Well, real quick about your your break. The last time we really talked about it, you know, we talked about the fact that you know it takes it takes you a few weeks to really get into the flow of your summer. That it, you know, un, literally unplugging and slow slowing down takes you a few weeks. Um, how did you feel like the rest of your break in Northern Michigan went? Like, did you have any more progression from there? What did you notice?
1: Um, it was, uh, it was good. There, there's, there's sort of two aspects of my summer. There's when it's just the kids and I up there. And then when there's, there's people visiting, whether that's my wife or my in-laws or, or whatever. And when you add people, um, you always add more food you have to cook and more opinions on things and all of that stuff. So, um, that was fantastic. Um, I had a full, full week with just my wife and my kids and my, my son who's just turned 18 and was there because he's not working, which is a whole nother story. So I, I actually had my whole, my entire family up there. All four kids were there. My oldest daughter uh, is a was a historic tour guide at a state park up there, so she was living at our cottage for the summer. The two little kids were there. I was there. My son, who is now fully memeing the living in your parents' garage life, um, and that was kind of fantastic because I didn't expect that we would ever all six of us be there. At the same time, again to just sort of hang out, so that was really neat. Um, mm. And then, in, and then in the times where it was just me and uh, me and the little kids and my older daughter who's at work most of the time, it was it was so fantastically chill. Um, we got into a great rhythm of just like getting up eh, whenever. Um, and they're teenagers now, so I always got up before them. And if I got motivated, I just sort of like. Grab stuff and go to the woods and work on trails. Come back at lunchtime, see if Sonia wanted to go ride her trials bike in the woods. You know, come back from that all sweaty, jump in the lake, take a nap, cook dinner. It was, you know, it was like. good. Yeah, like that was enough, right? You'd be like, no, I mean, I. I was in the woods for like three hours and I went swimming and that's, that's enough for today.
0: Sounds so amazing. Um, and you, you actually messaged me pretty close to the end of your time there about clearing trails. You want to share that, that thought and that question?
1: Yeah, so uh, also I got to do like philosophical things, hanging out with my own head in the woods, which is fun. I think anytime you get to hang out with your own head for a while and you get to think about things, it's it's either terrifying or wonderful. Can, and, um, can confirm. So, so I've got this reasonable-sized piece of property, and it's got, I don't know, woods being woods. Whenever you have a trail in the woods, the woods try to close the trail off. So any trails you have require sort of constant, uh, some degree of constant maintenance. Um, But also there are pieces of the property that don't really have trails to them. Um, I hike through the woods to get to places, to the back side of the lake that's there, and to the far corner, and to the top of this really neat hill that's got a bunch of cedars on the side of it. And so I know all these places, but they don't really have trails, and I can get to them, but. (laughs) when I take my family hiking with me they're like so where are we going I'm like no we're gonna go way back to the spot and they're like no we're not because I've hiked that with you and you just like go through the woods until everybody who's with you is exhausted and hates you I'm like oh cool so I guess that's right um so they want to take the hikes on the trails that I've actually cleared out so they're more like pedestrian trails rather than the way I know how to get back there, which is not a trail at all. And so I have these, these two ideas. I have the trails that I have that I can continue to work on and make nice and maintain it, maintain and, and to some extent, you know, like make extensions on, like make them slightly bigger, make the trail network bigger, but make it bigger in a way that the trails are actually good or I can wander around and look for new stuff. And those two are are necessarily separate from each other. Because if I'm wander if I'm randomly wandering around the woods being like, dude, that's the coolest log I've ever seen, which was a thought that I had. Because there's this wet swampy area and there was this big old log laying in it. It had, like, two turtles on it, and there was all – there was these little lichens, and some of them were orange and some were green, and it was so pretty. It was the best log ever. So I can go do things like that, or I can work on on the trails that are there, but I can't do both of those things at any given time. Um, and that got me, you know, all philosophical about there – we can work on making – existing things in our lives better. We can work at becoming a better driver, better at mowing the lawn, better at whatever we want to do. Or we can look around at the world and try some new things. But the energy to do those is the same energy. And we have to choose that. And I've always... I've always wondered if, just personality-wise, that's part of the reason that that I'm I'm good at being mediocre at things, because the effort that it takes to become good at something, like genuinely good at something, has always I've looked at it and I've been like, meh, I think I'll do something new instead. I'd rather be mediocre at a new thing than become really good at the thing I know how to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, that seems your vibe. Yeah, and that was even uh, definitely had on some duration I'm like, I'm going to go and I'm going to work on this trail and I'm like, ooh, there's a cool thing over there and I would wander away and three and a half hours later I'd be looking at a porcupine back in a birch tree two and a half miles away and I'd be like I didn't do what I meant to do. I <laughs> I went wandering instead.
0: Well, it's pretty clear even talking about it now is like you definitely have more energy for one of those activities. It's like, well, I guess I could just do maintenance
1: or I could go do this. Yeah, that's that's kind of how I am. Although when I had somebody else to share the the like fruits of me actually working on the trails, then it was better. Um, a lot of the time I was working on the trails was to convert them from trails that I can walk down. And, you know, sort of see where they are two trails that you can ride the trials bike down. True. Sure. Um, and it's kind of like the difference between a hiking trail and a biking trail, right? They're, they're cleared a little bit differently, a little bit wider. Um, and then when my wife came for a hike with me, we primarily hiked on the good trails. And we got done and she's like, that's the best hike I've ever had out here. It's the first time this hasn't sucked I was like, oh <laughs> I could yeah, I could probably make this not suck for everybody but me. And so that made me very happy to to have put forth effort and made something that make up that made other people happy. So so that was nice. Sounds nice. And that and that's probably, you know, that's the equivalent of me getting better autocrossing so that I can teach autocross better um at at some point my motivation in autocross had nothing to do with me being better at autocross because I didn't really care um like mediocre was was good enough for me but I did continue to try to pick up skills to to be better at them so that I could understand them better so that I could teach some of those skills to people um I got you. So and, and then I was thinking about you and your your seeming never ending dedication to becoming a way better driver than I am. You're mm. you you're like way more focused than me. Or seem to be way more focused than me.
0: Yeah, I mean and that partially in me too. There's there's some safety in sticking with what you think you know. Um, Now, granted, I think in trying to become better, you have to admit at some point that you're not perfect, which is easy for me to do. Um, But there's some, some security in just staying around something that you know and trying to improve rather than venture into something that you are not good at or unsure what it's about. Um, I wouldn't say the fear of adventure, but like the, the anxiety of the unknown I think is, uh, is a real thing. Does that keep you from trying things? Do you think? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Not, not even a little bit. Absolutely. Yes. Um, that
1: was, that was a short introspection right there.
0: Yeah. Oh it's something I've I've thought a a great deal about. I mean it's I I'd love to try some uh self-employment stuff around motorsports. Um but that is creepy, man. <laughs> um not just because it's it's a new thing, but like the whole financial aspect of it. You know, I've got a house, I got a kid, got a girlfriend, got got a lot of stuff to you know try to continue to to take
1: care of, and it's a big leap. Um, yeah, yeah. But it's still motorsport. Like you're still like you are locked into that version of Scott. Yeah. Or maybe you're just like, uh, I don't know. Like, like maybe it's you're.
0: And really, if I if I look back on like a lot like. Some form of like the love of cars has been with me forever almost. Um, you know, I definitely got it from my dad and you know, just kind of continued on. And I, um, either didn't have the opportunity, didn't take the opportunity, then somewhere in the middle, um, it was kind of shunned by people close to me as like something that just stupid like I mean it is certainly stupid we say that all the time but like beneath like people who are interested in motorsports are not um not even bad people they're just they're higher and loftier goals to aspire to it's just not that important in the scheme of things and um that's wrong <laughs> and that is wrong um, How dare they! And it really, you know, really took you know until these last like four years for me to not only like jump on board with that, but really just um, embrace that. Uh, the notion that motorsports is not only a, I think, a noble pursuit, especially as as we talk about it and as we hope that it can be. But it's something I like to do, and you know shouldn't feel bad about doing something that I like to do.
1: You have to be doing something um, you have to have a passion right you to not have a passion is such a such a flat, horrible place to be in life in general um, yeah, yeah, I think so and And I think putting value judgments on other people's passions is not a cool thing to do
0: um no it's more as a, long as they're not
1: as long as they're not destructive right
0: yeah i mean it's and it says more about the the people making those value judgments than it does about the sport for sure right um, yeah i mean it's you know so i've I've kind of found the the apex of you know, something that I'm, I am passionate, yeah, something I am passionate about, and kind of the lifelong strain in me of wanting to instruct and teach, and not because I hold the answers, but because I genuinely like to help people in that way. I mean, I was a water ski instructor, I was, even before that, I, you know, help friends with various tasks, water ski instructor, high school English teacher, pastor. You know, it's just like all these like roles that, you know, it was just like laying out frameworks and just helping to, helping people have conversations and get, go farther and deeper and get better and all this kind of stuff
1: do you see yourself being a person who is going to stand up in front of a group of students at some point and say, this is my 25th year road racing cars. (laughs) Jesus Christ. I don't
0: know. Genuinely. (laughs) It'd be, uh, yeah, I mean, it'd be, it'd be pretty awesome because we know those people. We know those people, right? Like, you know, those people. Yeah, I think it'd be awesome. Um, Yeah. I think it'd be even more awesome if I were to be able to do that and like had my son involved somehow. And like Becky hasn't gotten totally sick of me by then. So there's some, (laughs) there's some, uh, there's some items I'd like to add to that. But yeah.
1: Yeah, I can see that. But see, I don't see myself doing that. Even when I do now, people are like, how, like, how did you get into, like, why do you race tiny motorcycles and I'm like, all right. It's a story. Let me tell you. Yeah.
0: It's because it's a long and twisting path. And it's not about the motorcycles.
1: It's not really. I mean, I love I love the tiny motorcycles, but I can't, I can't see myself. I can see myself going like I've been racing motorcycles for, you know, X number of years. But there's no way that's gonna be like, I'm not gonna be the guy who road raced little motorcycles for 25 years. Sure. That's going to be one of the things that I do, and it wouldn't surprise me if it's an on again, off again thing at some point. Um, you know, life will will change. Either we'll move out of Texas, I won't be close to a track anymore, or my daughter will go off to college, and I'll start. I'll be like, cool, I'm going to go race motorcycles in the woods instead with buddies. Or um, there's this the scooter cannonball. The next actually went by my cottage this year. The what? Um, the scooter cannonball, no, I, I, which is something I knew. <laughs> I heard what you said. <laughs> so there's, there's a group of people every two years. They have a coast-to-coast scooter rally that like, is like a full checkpoint rally that's timed and scored.
0: Like, are we talking push scooters or are we talking about electric motorized we're,
1: we're talking like like uh like vespas and uh honda sprees and like yeah. so the the thing is it's got this whole rule thing like what is a scooter and so it has to have like a step through frame and an automatic transmission and all those things that does that that make it so it's like actually a scooter and not a motorcycle right because they're very like anybody else like you have to set a limit to what it is, otherwise, it's a bunch of dudes on Harleys driving across the country, and that's, you know, that's not the point of it. The point is to, uh, <laughs> the point is to have it be somewhat painful, yeah, and pure to the ethos of like this is a, this is idiotic, and we're gonna make sure it stays idiotic. Driving, um, up, a, so driving they actually, up a
0: mountain pass in the rain in a scooter does not sound like very much fun
1: to me. No, and and this year's route went from Maine, and it actually came down. It was supposed to go through Canada, but for obvious – it was actually supposed to be the 2020 2020 route Um, that didn't work. And so it shifted to 2021, Um, and it went through Maine, Lower Michigan, across the Mackinac Bridge, across Upper Michigan. And um, there was some road construction between my cottage and town, and uh, we were stopped just waiting for the single – thing and some a-hole on a scooter comes blowing by on the shoulder just like past all these cars i'm like what a dick like seriously and then i kind of looked at him and he's like 12 cars in front of me he's got like stuff on the scooter and he talks to the construction guy and as soon as the guy shifts it from the stop to the slow dude is like and just blows through the construction zone like you know as fast as the scooter is going to go it looks more impressive than it is sure and then I was like, wait a minute. I know the scooter cannonball is going on right now. And I looked it up on my phone. And I'm like, sure enough, had I sat there, I could have watched the rest of the riders come by. And, and uh, so it's it, it actually a little bit like one lap. So like one lap goes from a thing you read about in a car magazine to like a thing that you meet people and they do it to all, like, you get you get closer and closer and closer to actually touching it until you go do it, and uh, yeah. probably horrifically for me, this, this scooter cannonball got, like, just one layer more real. I was
0: about to say, you're going to go um, do it, aren't
1: you? Yeah, it's mostly been a time thing, so the, the thing is, like one lap, you know, you have to get to the start, um, and... So it's it's not just the right. you know the, the seven or eight days it takes to get across the country. It's to the start and to the finish, and you're doing you're doing all of this on something that that like 55 miles for for a lot of them like 55 miles an hour is like booking, right? Like yeah.
0: you're wailing on it. Yeah, that's that's tucked behind getting real aerodynamic. Yeah, that's drafting. that's like in
1: the bubble, elbows in. Yeah, and so. Um, so yeah, like like at some point it will be, how did you end up on the scooter cannonball? And I'll be like, well, let me tell you. And I'll start it out with autocross. As a younger man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I expect I expect that that I will have a, a, a maddening series of passions. For the remainder of my existence, um, and uh, I was talking to my wife about this, and she's so incredibly <laughs> understanding with this. Um, like I was trying to, like, like I was rolling off the couch, you know, trying to get up um, this afternoon, and I said, "I thank God." Like before we were married, you'd already had to take me to the hospital. And, and you just sort of understood that this was, this was me and was probably going to be part of who I am.
0: We call that a feature.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think of how many bones I've broken since she's known me. More than half of the bones I've broken have been since, like she's been there for. So that's, that's impressive. Yeah. Something. Um, but also I kind of want you to stay race car, Scott, for a very long time so that I can like continually leap back into your world and play with race car, Scott, and then go do the scooter cannonball, and then go play with race car, Scott, and then go do God, I don't know what, but other things. And, um, you,
0: you want me to your, be your anchor is what you want here.
1: Yeah. I need your stability. You want to me allow to me be.
0: To, your high school reunion that you come back to, <laughs> knowing everybody hasn't has changed, but not really, so you can just dip your toe in the reality and be like,
1: "All right, peace." I see what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I want. Yeah, I mean, unless you don't want unless you don't want that, Scott. In which case, I want I want you to do whatever makes you happy. I mean, I whatever that is.
0: I'd love to find a way just to be able to do race car things in the summertime. Um, I have no idea how to make that work (laughs) right now. Um, It'd be some weird mix of sponsorship and working. And yeah, and a lot of that right now too is being um, really just wanting and needing to be geographically limited uh because of my son. And you know, that makes it difficult. So um yeah, just gonna keep doing keep going kind of where things are right now and um yeah, work towards next year basically.
1: So when I was uh when I was a kid, my third grade teacher
0: Seth is starting a story
1: right now, by the way. (laughs) Starting to start. <laughs> I'm always starting to start. So my third grade teacher was Mr. Breen, and he was an old hay farmer. He was mead. But the, the, the thing is, my third grade teacher was an old hay farmer. And the fact is, you couldn't be a hay farmer and make a real living. But he couldn't just be a third grade teacher. He couldn't define himself as just a third grade teacher. He was a hay farmer that was also a teacher basically in the not hay season. Um, And as much as uh, like, like, dude, this was right at the edge of when you could like paddle kids and you could tell he wanted it so much. Like (laughs) I was I was a difficult third grader. I spent a, a lot of time.
0: Seth froze So this has never happened I'm just going to keep recording and we're going to try this again Seth doesn't have a very good Wi-Fi signal either so we'll uh, here. we'll have to see. Ah, Seth, you're back. I'm back.
1: All right. So where did we where do we leave off my story?
0: Uh he really wanted to beat your ass.
1: Yeah, he really did. Like, like he, he was like ten years ago. I like I would have just yeah. Like you could you could see it right. And and that probably made it worse because even when I was that age, I could tell like. <laughs> It's like i don't think you can hit kids anymore so uh yeah <laughs> and uh and so so he figured out a way to live a life where he could you know pay his bills and have his health insurance and you know make sure his wife drove a car that didn't suck and he could still be true to himself because he really saw himself as as a hay farmer and uh if it were for the fact that i know he has is uh has long since passed away. Um, cause he was old then and I'm getting old now. Um, I, I would be like, there, like, I, I did eventually see the wisdom in what he was doing as much as I drove him insane as a third grader. Um, and I've often thought that, that finding that sort of balance in life and it's, it's, It's more than just the whole, like, we shouldn't define ourselves by our jobs thing. Maybe we should define ourselves by our passions, um, which is, like, a really popular thing to say now, um, even though, uh, I mean, people still have to pay bills, right? So, Yeah,
0: it's a real thing. Um, Well, and this was a thing thousands of years ago with bivocationalism. Um, Right. You know, all the... Supposed preachers and prophets and all those. I mean, they all they all had side gigs. <laughs> you know, they weren't they weren't just <laughs> right. leaving on uh, on manna alone. They were, uh, you know, Paul was a tent maker. Um, you know, there were carpenters. There were, um, blacksmiths, fishermen, bunch of fishermen, lots of fishermen. Um, yeah, you know, because they had that sea. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not a. It's not a new or recent thing, but I think, you know, I've, I've kind of started to look at my, my professional work in carpentry as, uh, what I need to do to be able to afford literally and figuratively, um, to do the things that I enjoy doing. And, you know, that's, you know, it's not a necessarily very rosy picture, um, but I think it's a very realistic
1: one at the same time. But how do you keep your your vocation from swallowing up? I don't know Seth. the time and passion. I'm just I'm just saying. Because this goes back to the trails, right? Like I can't I can't build a beautiful walking trail for my wife and go find porcupines. Like I can't do both of those things. I
0: I'm gonna try to remember that quote. That might be the episode title.
1: <laughs> Beautiful trail. I wish I'd had my wish I'd had a camera so I could have gone and taken a picture of the porcupine. He was huge. Like, like have you ever been around like a really big porcupine?
0: I've seen a video of a very happy porcupine and remembering that they get- yeah, that thing like reached up big. to the trainer's waist and that seems yeah. enormous.
1: Yeah, the one I ran across this summer was a big boy. Like like the kind you wanna like if you could bring somebody back to be like, you need to look at this porcupine. It's a big porcupine. When I saw the beautiful log, I didn't feel like I needed to I felt like that was a me thing. I sure. could just like like look at it and remember it. But the porcupine I wanted to share with people, and there's just not really a good way to do that. No. So
0: yeah, we're going racing this weekend though. And yeah. Yeah,
1: I'm I'm glad I didn't commit to driving to Ohio with a broken rib by the way.
0: I'm I'm less certain about that because you're going to be the only one from like our circle who's not going to be there. Because Tim is coming. Brian is coming. Pete is coming. I know. Bob is coming. Becky will, of Uh, course, be there. Um, Dalen's even going to be there. Yes. Um, So pretty much everybody except you.
1: I know. I know. So flights
0: are probably cheap.
1: Yeah. What I really want to do right now is put myself in an, an aluminum tube with everybody else in the country. Options i know I've I'm been, saying uh, yeah. you have options <laughs> that's what i'm saying, but
0: yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be a unique event for us it's uh mm-hmm. mid ohio grid life <clears throat> midsummer meet, and we i am driving g l t c and instructing uh one of my ducklings i've i already know her. Uh, the other is not a newcomer to the beginner group, so it uh, should be a good time. Uh, but Becky is also bringing Mooncake, the Mazda 2, to drive in the beginner group. So okay. we both will be wearing
1: two hats
0: this weekend. That is a new thing.
1: I'm I'm interested in that because... Because race car guy Scott leans heavily yep. on crew chief Becky.
0: It's It's been a two-way street. Not only do I lean on her, but she actively, this metaphor is going to get weird, she actively pushes me away. So <laughs> like as she's working on the car, <laughs> she oftentimes doesn't want me to help. So we both have created we, I, this
1: I feel like we should do help in air quotes there, but you know, yeah,
0: so it's gonna <laughs> be it's gonna be interesting. Uh, Tim is going to be there, and you know we'll be able to to help, I'm sure uh, we're hopefully gonna paddock with Brian, who, being the free soul, free spirit that he is, uh, doesn't really do car prep. Um, so I'm sure we could bring him over to help with something if we needed to. Um,
1: yeah. Uh, have him check his have him check his oil.
0: Yeah. Because he's not as good at that as he... Really, it's what he needs to check now. Did you hear about that?
1: I did not hear about that. What did he do?
0: Um, well, the place that apparently changed his oil didn't tighten his drain plug. And in the middle of... I think a qualifying session at PPIR. Um, He came in early because he knows some white smoke out of the back of his car. (laughs) And he thought it was rubbing or something like that. And by sheer grace and the miracle of God, it wasn't until he was very close to his paddock spot did the plug actually fall out and all the oil drain out of his (laughs) because had that drain plug let go on the banking, he would have ruined everything forever. Yeah. That, that would have been, that would have been a motor. That would have been, that would have been a lot of trouble. So, yep. That (laughs) happened, but he's going to be coming. Um, It's his first time there. It's Becky's first time driving. She hasn't even taken a ride around the track yet. Um, Okay. I'm going to set a new personal best. I'm just putting it out there right now. Right meow. Um, All right. And I think my previous best is like a 140. Like mid or low 140. So we'll see. Uh, It's supposed to be dry all weekend. Um,
1: that was going to be my next question, but
0: dry is good. Yep. And we've got practice qualifying race one on Friday, race two, then the top 10 shootout, then race three and four on Saturday. And then they're doing the street tire shootout, which is like a no points race on Sunday. And we'll kind of have to see how our tires <laughs> look if we're going to, if we'll be running that or not. So it's a front. Kind of a front loaded uh for the Miata, and then Sunday's gonna be h p d heavy for for Becky so yeah it's been it's been a while haven't driven since Honda meet uh where I did set a new personal best,
1: of course, and it's, it's been your theme this year, right uh, yeah, maybe I don't know seems it's like it. Like it.
0: Yeah, I'm starting to trust trust that this car breaks now. Like, well, (laughs) yeah, in both senses of the word, but like actually, like comes to a slows down. Well, Um, I'm really starting to trust that more. So we'll see. Um, Looking forward to it more. I like these three day weekends because it's not just like all right, let's set up for like a brief two night stay. You know, we're actually there for three nights, and can kind of ease—not ease into it, but like you know, you're going to be there for a few days. So it's going to be nice. Looking forward to it.
1: I'm going to miss it. I'm going to like. It's, it's not. I I want to be there, and logistically, uh, I don't think I can make it happen. I got to. Um, I have to. I get to drive up to Iowa to help my daughter move into. Uh, her first actual house after having had to live in the dorms for three years at a couple different colleges. Yeah. She's moving into a house, and since I couldn't move her to Iowa last year with COVID being a thing, um, she had to drive herself to a new college all by herself and move in. Um, I'm actually going to go up there and do that. So, yeah. Um, okay. So I just got a bunch like like every weekend. Aside from this weekend, basically every weekend for like six weeks has a thing that i have to do um and be busy or be out of town or be something like that and i couldn't i mean aside from the fact that i like watching me get out of the car right now it's like oh my god is that guy a hundred why is it taking him so long to get out of the car that's not safe
0: did your dad have you when Um, he was 60
1: yeah um so yeah, driving God, I'm, I'm just thinking about what it would be like to drive that far and get out would be terrible. Well, um, the nice I'm part, trying to be responsible. It's terrible.
0: Well, and the nice part is, you know, they're going to be doing the live stream on Saturday and or Friday and Saturday again. Right. Uh, I'm not sure if they're going to be doing it on Sunday or not. Um, but definitely Friday and Saturday. So, uh, they'll probably start, Friday afternoon with the qualifying session would be my guess. Uh, And then pretty much roll through the rest of Friday and through Saturday like that.
1: Okay. I will watch that when they're not showing MotoGP this weekend. Because I now have everyone in my family addicted to MotoGP, including my wife, and when I was away from internet and TV and she would call me and tell me that she watched the MotoGP races, well, we couldn't watch them. And she'd tell me about them. So um, that's awesome and was slightly infuriating. So,
0: um, Well, let's, let's bring this to a close. Uh, Seth, All right. Seth and I were just uh, talking pre-show. I think we're going to be doing less social media. Um, just because I need to not spend quite so much time and energy in doing podcast thing. Well, not even podcast things, but like the whole, like
1: promoting it.
0: Yeah. I mean, we're not making money. We're spending money. We're spending time. We don't have sponsors. Like we are beholden to no one in this endeavor. Yeah. So, we're going to do what we want to. And I don't want to do social media as much anymore. So I've sent cool. uh, Seth an uh, admin uh, demand that he be an admin on Facebook. And I'm going to send you the login info for Instagram. So you can do that too. I'm, I
1: might I might not get that. We'll have to see. It might not have come through.
0: You're not looking for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you can still find us at Trackwalking Podcast on Facebook and uh Instagram. You can find us on pretty much every podcast deal. Give us a like, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff if you ump to. Uh we're gonna keep going with this. We got topics and people eventually we wanna talk to as well that we'll try to get lined up. And uh yeah.
1: You know. uh, And reach out if you think uh, you or somebody you know or love needs to be interviewed by us. Um, Don't be shy about saying, hey, talk to me, because we'll do that. For sure.
0: Well, for the two of us here, I'm Scott.
1: And I'm Seth.
0: And we are track walking. We will uh, talk to you guys next week. Take care.
1: All right.